As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Bet that you don't want none. If you want some, come and get some. 500, let's lock it in on the next one. Greedy for it, I roll it out. This episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is brought to you by ThisIsBracketRacing.com and ThisIsBracketRacingElite. If you are serious about taking your on-track game to the next level, to becoming the best version of yourself on the racetrack, ThisIsBracketRacing.com can help. We've got literally hundreds of training resources in our online library dedicated to that pursuit helping you define and become the best version of yourself on the racetrack. Check that out. If you like what you see in November, you'll have the opportunity to join 500 plus racers from across the continent in our exclusive and premier membership community. This is Bracket Racing Elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed, where we sometimes discuss Heavy Duty and the Delaware Destroyer. we got a fun show on tap today, just a little bit different model. Essentially, today's show, um, Jed's got the week off. It's, it's just a, it's like a conversation with an old friend where we caught up and we just hit record. Today's guest 
Willie Burnett, this is an hour plus conversation, wide ranging. Uh, and if you've been a, a long time listener to the show, then you are familiar with Willie. If you have not, you may be wondering who the hell's Willie Burnett? He even says himself to kick off this interview that uh, he may be, I think his words were the, the least accomplished guest on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, yet he's been on twice. A little bit of background. Willie has been around the sport for basically as long as I have, right? Two plus decades. Um, he's traveled the country racing in a variety of, of different capacities. He's done it as a racer. He's done it as sort of a, a, a tag along crew guy. Um, he's been an announcer. He, he is the voice of the Jags Summer Door Car Shootout. Uh, has been really since, since Jed left behind dry several years ago when he moved on to, to bigger and better things. My point, Willie has what I always look for in guests, like a, a kind of a wide-ranging perspective. And then I think more importantly, Willie's not afraid to speak his mind. He should actually host a show like this. He would be great. Um, and he, he's just got a, a little bit different perspective, a unique perspective, and he's not afraid to share it. And I love that. And he's just an entertaining, funny guy. That comes through in this conversation as well. And so what have you got to look forward to? Like, we talked about a lot of different stuff. Uh, just a little bit of, of his history and, and kind of wax nostalgic. And, you know, when you think about the, the, the glory days in racing, like, what comes to mind? For me, it will always be where I grew up, Texas Raceway in, in the early 1990s. And... Um, we had like 120 super pro cars every week and, and it was just a different time there. It there was that the competition was cutthroat, but at the same time, it just wasn't the, like the intensity, the pressure of today wasn't there perhaps just because there wasn't so much money involved. You know, I mean, most people had a pickup truck and an open trailer or a, or a, a, a small enclosed trailer. It, it was just a different time. It seemed more fun. Maybe I just romanticized that because that's when I fell in love with the sport. But anyhow, I posed that question to Willie. Like, what is the glory day for you? And, and for many of you listening, maybe it's right now, right? Um, we talked about the, the pandemic and the impact that, that Willie's seeing in his area. He's from uh, Olathe, Kansas, the Kansas City area. Uh, we talked about the mega dollars being spread around in the big dollar bracket racing scene and what the future of that might look like. Uh, we talked about NHRA's return on the Mellow Yellow series. And like I said, just a unique perspective from him. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of jokes along the way. Um, at this point, I'll just shut up and, uh, and key up the interview. Uh, enjoy this, uh, an hour plus with my man, Willie Burnett. Willie Burnett, what's happening, brother? LB money, long time no talk, sir. How are things? life is good all things considered there's times I, I almost feel guilty saying that but yeah no life is good here what uh what's new in good. your world man uh, you know really it, it when I say nothing exciting I really mean it so you know I was just uh I was kind of running running through this when you were you and I were talking about doing this deal and I was like I have got to be the most underqualified person to speak about drag racing ever on any of your podcasts in in the face of the world so 
I don't remember. I'm, I'm trying to remember the last time I went down a racetrack, but I'm more than happy to talk. So I'm here. And with that, you're making a second appearance. So there's something yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. Right? That, that's got to be a, that's got to be a rare air, isn't it? I mean, who, who not, all? Yeah, give, give me the give me the short list of of two time appearances with uh, with the anything sports and the bike racing podcast related. So yeah, multi time appearances. I mean, we're talking uh, Tommy Phillips, Troy Williams Jr., Peter. Um, perhaps Kyle well, like it's yeah. a short list yeah man w- welcome to the party fellas you know I'm here I'm <laughs> gonna get some uh, I love it I love it all right so as I said in the intro like a little bit different format today like I just I just feel like I'm catching up with a, a, a buddy that I hadn't talked to in a while and just kind of see where it goes so given the the current atmosphere of of our sport like i'm just curious to get your perspective because we all we all view this from different lens we all come at it a different way when you get to a certain age like for me it's our age definitely you know those that have been racing longer than than you or i but it seems like there comes a point where we tend to reflect back maybe wax poetic on like the glory days or maybe the glory days are, are right now for you when i say the the glory days in your life for sports and drag racing what what's the first thing that comes to mind man well you know with the glory days for me uh and, and when you talk, talk about where we, where i am reference point wise um i would say that i always was the guy in my 20s that you know every weekend was racing anything you could do to get to the track racing is all that mattered and 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 live breathe it everything and we always made fun of those old guys you know the old guys are like (laughs) man he doesn't come out unless it's 75 and partly cloudy you know and the fish ain't biting i mean when's this guy gonna come see us you know i mean he just how could you how could you leave a race car in the garage every weekend i mean that thing should be out there breathing and living and I uh, I did officially wash the cob. I had to use a power washer to move the cobwebs from underneath the old big hips, the Olathe Outlaw. Um, I did that this weekend. The wife and I got her got her prepped in case the chance happens. But it has been a few and far between recently. So the glory days are well past, sir. Uh, to make long story short, there. But so you've become um, that guy. Oh, I am that guy. Like way that guy so i i feel horribly i i have daily regret for my race car let's just say that she she doesn't deserve what she's uh what she's turned into so it's, a, uh, it's funny you say that man, J- jack stan queen i guess i'd call her so jack stan queen all right no i i feel like we're reaching a, a a similar stage in life perhaps for for different reasons or slightly different motivations but when you say, you know, hey, the way that it was in your 20s, like that's the life I lived for 15, 20 years. And like you, I, I've raced less in the last year, certainly nine months than I ever have in my life. Now, granted, I mean, given the, the, the recent you know, chain of events and the, and the pandemic, I guess we've all technically raced less than we have in our lives. But um, I don't guess mine's been quite as extreme. I, I, I got tied up in the NHRA points chase last year. So, so last fall, I hit the road a little bit, but um, we've been out, like I can count on one hand, the number of times that we've been racing this year. And 
it's just a, it's a different feel. It's different priorities in life. Like I get it. You know, I mean, I, I don't know your, your exact personal situation, but I, I, I feel where you're coming from. Oh, I, I'm sitting here staring out at six acres of grass. So that's, you know, I, I always joked with the, with, uh, with Amy when I, we first found this place we love, but there was like, man, you know, I want like 20 acres so I can just, you know, I always joked I would dig holes and fill them back in again. That's what I want to do with my life. Right. So, uh, I realized it's a, it's a hell of a lot of work, you know, it is. I didn't it realize is. that it took 12 tons of gravel to cover my driveway, you know, 12 tons of gravel with a shovel by hand. So, uh, that was not one of your better decisions, was it? No, no, it wasn't for, for weeks. It wasn't my better, my better, one of my better decisions. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's one of those things that life gets in the way. So you gotta, you gotta jump on it. And that's why I'm just like, man, I've got to get back out to the track just to, just to at least make myself feel better. But the cool part about it too, is that you're also become that guy who it's not, I've got to win every round, every race. I've got to prove myself. I can, when I do go to the racetrack, I have fun, you know, cause it's, I, I just don't have that. I, it's not that I don't want to win, but it, it's not that I, I don't feel like I have to prove myself. I'm just like, man, this is, this is what I love to do. I love any time, any chance, time I get a chance to get out, then I am willing to do it. So that's, it's, it's a different perspective. It's not a bad thing. It's just a different perspective. So. Yeah, no, there's a freedom that comes with that. Absolutely. Right. And um, yeah, no, it's, uh, and to your point, like you, uh, you still want to be out there. And I think like it almost makes you appreciate being there more. Do you, do you get that too? When you do get the opportunity to go? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it, it is an outside perspective for sure, man. I mean, it's, uh, for me, it's seeing all the guys that I've seen grow up and, and that were, you know, mm -hmm. 16 year old kids I was trying to feed beer to in the, in the stands at the finish line. Cause I thought they were 30, you know, it's the good times. <laughs> you, know, you, 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 you occasionally reference Mocan dragway and that's, that is Mocan dragway. That's my, that's my, essentially that's my home track now. And, and it's, I wouldn't want to go anywhere else. You know, I don't, I don't care to, to go anywhere else. It's just a nice little hour and a half drive and get down there, enjoy yourself, see the people that, that you spent so much time together with and they're your real true friends from that, you know, all that time spent, they're still there and it's still a, so it, it's really enjoyable. I just need to get, I need to do more of it. And I, and I, I promise myself I will. So. It's still fun. But it's still that, a that was a, we we kind of got, uh, yeah, we kind of got off track there on actually getting to the glory days, man. I'm just feel like I'm sobbing it up about how old and decrepit I am. So. <laughs> well, when I say that, is there like, is there a certain, time frame or event even perhaps that comes to mind like when you think of your greatest memories in this stuff you know it was that i was lucky enough to uh come across some really great people to race with when i was younger um a guy by the name of kyle lawrence he was the first guy that we kind of that i kind of traveled with and he had a 53 foot enclosed trailer uh, with living quarters and I, I think probably what started me off was that I had what we called the junior dragster and uh, oh, yes. it wasn't really a, yeah you've driven the junior dragster so 
not not while I owned it, but you drove it before that's I right, got it. That's right. That's right. Yep. Um, I, I, and, I won uh, or runnered up. Like I was in the final of a five grander in that thing. I, so I, was I. Think, I. So I think, good. I think Matt Driscoll cracked me. <laughs> we got that in common, yeah. huh? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt Driscoll has cracked me many times. I live way too close to that guy. So, um, <laughs> but the the perk the perk of the quote unquote junior dragster was it was about 197 inches long, small block, 12 inch slicks. It fit really good about anywhere. So it would it would slide up right next to a a conventional dragster on the top of the uh, on the top of the uh, toter uh, trailer and it would go anywhere. So I was I was always uh, an easy fit for somebody looking to, looking for somebody to pay for gas. So it worked out well for me. So between that and uh, after that, I met uh, J R Loebner and the Loebner family, and they kind of took me under the wing, their wing for uh, a good year or two and drug me around the, the country and got to see so many things and so many tracks and, and experience it. I mean, I was horrible, you know. I, I think they just drug me around to make sure that, they had the, that the pot was covered. But at the same time, it was, it was a great time to do it, you know. And it was just uh, – those are the glory days. We got the chance to go to – uh bowling green for uh US Open. I've been to Indy for the US Open. Uh went to uh got to go to uh uh the Moroso five day. Uh that was actually on was that two thousand six, the twenty fifth anniversary of Moroso Five Day. So that was that was crazy. Um it's just a quick like twenty just mile had, drive from Kansas, right? Yeah, man, it is right down the street, man. It is <laughs> yeah, you just you just it's a Taco Bell stop away from everywhere, right? So Florida, but uh, no, it's a 24-hour drive. Um, and see, this is the beauty of a little dragster that doesn't get in your way is that somehow I talked Jr. into taking all the junk down there, and I just flew in. So I did get to ride back with him, though. So I got I got to experience the, the way back, but I I only got the one-way trip version of it. So. It worked out pretty well, right? Right. So, and, and half is plenty. So, was was that a successful trip? Was that an enjoyable trip? A little bit of both. Oh, oh man, it was it was enjoyable. Yes, very enjoyable. <laughs> so, it's, uh, I don't know. You know, any of the listeners who have not had a chance to go to that part of the country and race, it's a whole different world. I mean, alligators in the freaking staging lanes. I. We we pitted near the fi the finish line. One of my, I'm sure I, I talk a lot, and so if you haven't ever heard of me, I completely understand. That's totally probably that makes you a better person. But uh, I like to talk, so I'll tell you one of the stories I've probably told a million times. But uh, we parked down at the end of the racetrack, and this is uh, so so it's just Jr. and myself, and we've got his uh, undercover car my junior little short dragster and then we also picked up a car for jerry maples i think and without motor so it was in the trailer too so the loveners are one of those people they can they can fit 10 pounds of shit in a two pound bag you know so um it's a it's really impressive what they could do with the race cars I, there was no there was no dragsters yeah. on top yeah no dragsters on top of vegas but i have seen a dragster stuck in the bed of the S10, which was above the gooseneck of the stacker. 
So, I mean, I've, they, they've done some unique things. So, um, but, uh, uh, so there was a, we took the, he had this old Kodiak that could go 55 mile an hour with a good tailwind and, uh, and, a like a 47 foot trailer. We were parked down at the end. Kodiak was a little, little snug on the living quarters, but we got by. Um, but I just remember the first experience I had with that place was waking up, uh, the morning of, uh, first day and this horrific crashing sound on top of this toter home. I mean, it sounded like, like bodies were falling. You know, it was, it was, it was COVID-19 era 2006 shit was going down, you know? And so I get outside and I don't know what these birds are that they have in Florida, but they are gigantic white monstrosities with, crazy pokey legs long necks they were they were horrendous and there were probably 20 of them having a disco dance party on top of the uh toter home so so my first experience with uh with that place is trying to shoo these things off so i could sleep and i slice my my hand open on the edge of the drain for the for the door and so i get to go visit the beautiful people at the uh moroso emt shack to uh get wrapped up so i can go try and race the rest of the day with this bloody this nub of a hand i've got so, prior to ever unloading that, a race car yeah that was it that's the that's the good way to start it <laughs> out you know so and then shortly after that ironically uh who's i, I don't remember who the guy is owns s and w um scott weenie he had it yep he had his brand new uh it was one of the first like 68 Corvette super gas roadsters I've ever seen. This was the first car they ever built out of S and W I think down there that year. And that, I think it was the next morning when we woke up and wondered why there were feathers everywhere. Well, it's because he used his uh, brand new Camaro roadster to, uh, Defeather one of those at about the about the about the mile an hour marks. So uh, that was that was an interesting morning too. So I I, I really felt like we got a little bit of payback. You know, day, day two felt a lot better <laughs> to me. So I was like, one of you SOBs went down. Tell your friends. You know, we're not messing around here. This is Moroso, <laughs> yo. So see what happens when you dance on the roof. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Welcome to the big end. You know. So but. Uh, so that was a uh, that was that was rough go, but it was uh, I mean I had a it it was one of those deals where you, the first time I've been out to actually see all the people that I read about and and you know portrayed so highly in my mind, you know that that uh, that was the year that uh, that Jag won the uh, they had that special shootout I think, um, and so that was a huge party at his trailer. I remember it was. Uh, I mean, everybody was there, you know, the, the freaking roulette tables were running and the, and dice was being thrown and I got to meet the Cummings and, you know, see exactly why everyone is scared of them and <laughs> got, got to meet little Pecker, you know, he was out there. So Jeff was, was, uh, he was, I think he was sleeping in Jeg's dragster with Jeg's helmet on holding Jeg's big check if that was the last time I saw him. So in the trailer. I don't, I don't so, recall you know, that, but that, that doesn't surprise me a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, that, that, is, that is little pecker for you. So he's, he was keeping it real. So uh, Gary Williams. Uh, we had, I, I tell you, have you, have you had G-Dub on the, on the show for like a we story time? Had, we, we have had a Gary Williams sighting here. Yeah. Cause that a guy can a tell a story, two. man. <laughs> That's I, what I it was realized for. how it was, little... it was story time. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. I, was saying, I, I got, I, I thought I'd listen to every freaking episode you've ever made. Cause I haven't, I have no life and I don't go to the racetrack. So this is the only way I can vicariously, uh, get any type of uh bracket racing information in my head but uh you gotta go way I just, back in the archives to get to to get to um, we, we need uh, to i will again. i will yeah that i get for sure so yeah, i just some of the stories the he, yeah man some of the stories he told about some of the tracks he's been to made me realize i have never been anywhere so <laughs> it was it was super awesome so uh and then they had uh i don't really do, do i only really do this every year at moroso but they had a casino night i remember those yeah uh, yeah so this is the way casino night works and everybody who's actually been there most like shut up man we've been there 20 times i don't need to hear your casino night story but i've been no, there once i don't once think it was, it was cool, an so. every year thing i i, I remember okay. what you're talking about but i don't think it happened every year so yeah it should be an it should be an every race thing it is the most awesome <laughs> horrible just you know i mean just covered with distrust and cheating and oh it was it's horrible it, it, it is ridiculous you know so okay this is how it works you I, you you pay for some chips 25 bucks for the chips or whatever but that money goes to charity or whatever it goes to and then so you get these chips which the only value of the chips you win by playing roulette or uh craps or whatever you're playing go towards bidding on uh giveaways that they have or, or you know like the, essentially it's a silent auction with chips you won from this from this gambling expose so i was down there with uh i, I probably should leave some names out you know but he won't listen it listen anyway but i was down there with lance town he went he came down as well of, you, of you, limitations you, here willing i mean this yeah is 15 that, years ago almost. whatever yeah. It, it's yeah it is it is fair game fellas so i don't right, know if you ever met lance town luke but uh yeah. He's a he's he's a, he's a great guy, but he uh, he knows how to make things work his way, you know. So so he came out pretty 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 well off at the casino, and so he had a lot of chips. And he decided, I want that dirt bike, which was sitting there, you know, as one of the giveaways. Well, the the diet, just like any uh, silent auction, right? You go in and you write your, your dollar figure on and somebody can write it below and it keeps going down. Well, Lance was the last person on the line on the sheet. Okay, it may have been like three lines below the last line on the sheet, but we decided that that's gonna be the end of the, end of the bidding on this motorcycle. So it was a group of people hiding slash guarding the sign-in sheet for this motorcycle for a good 30, 45 minutes till the bidding was over so we could get the motorcycle and take it home. So, um, so we won the motorcycle. It was super awesome. It, uh, I think it was, it, was, it ran out of gas twice and yeah, was crashed three times, but it was great. It was really the best ADCC Honda motorcycle you could ever ask for. Give it a bunch of drunk kids at a race in Florida. So perfect. But uh, interpretation of the term one, the motorcycle, Willie. 
Yes. Yeah. We, we, uh, <laughs> we made the motorcycle work, you know, and that's a, I, I will tell you that the only person I saw with more chips than Lance was the, also the first time I ever met the senior Laboose. That was also an experience that everyone I hope has got the chance to do, man. I tell you, I had, that guy, that guy grows his own shirt. It's pretty impressive. You know, I mean, he, and he was, was crushing them at the at the craps table that night it was it was really impressive so but uh but see but i guess going back to just seeing all those guys and and getting to experience that that's i mean that's what hell that's what pays big money bracket racing is all the idiots like me wanting to go be a part of something that all the guys like you are going to take our money so it works out well everybody it's a win-win man everybody gets what they want so I don't think I've ever heard it put quite like that, Willie. That's good. And speaking of Big John. It makes John, sense, doesn't it? <laughs> I, so. in, in, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I can neither confirm nor deny. The, uh, okay, just let it go. Big John, come on the podcast. I know somebody that knows Big John's listening. That, that oh, man. That was, stories there. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Talk about a man who is, yeah, he is. He has not only lived bracket racing, he is bracket racing. I mean, he built bracket racing from the start. So I, I could, it would be an awesome, awesome thing to have him share some of his time with us. So, man, that would be great. But, but still you know, in, in general, was, it, oh, it, go ahead. No, I was just saying, Big John's still doing it. When I went to, I actually made an appearance at the Hill uh, a couple of weeks back, first time I've been there in years. And uh, I don't think I would. Right. I would bet money I'd never been there where when Big John wasn't there and he wasn't there. And I thought, Oh my God, what, what's, what's the world coming to? And I asked a couple of people like, no, he just, he, he just kind of shows up when he wants to. He usually rolls in and wins, but uh, he doesn't come all the time anymore. He, he's, he's here sometimes. <laughs> he's Brainerd sometimes. But he does good when he comes. So. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, Danny Bassanelli was there with the, the, his purple dragster. Going four forties or whatever he was doing. Oh man. And I, I had no idea or I would have, I would have hunted him down. I can assure you from hearing the stories now, I, I really missed out on the opportunity there. So you guys would have got, we got in too. It. You had, you had similar half dragsters. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, his, his was just missing some panels. Mine was just the shorter, you know, and, and they're real similar in speed. Mike, you know, mine was going five seventies. <laughs> and he was going freaking 440. So yeah, that was that was one thing I realized when you when you step out of your elements is that when the fully interior small tire S10 pickup is dialed faster than you, you're like, man, I think I think I'm the slowest car here, and I am in a dragster. That's that's where I was at with the uh, with Moroso five day in 2006. That's that I it was a it was a dull butter knife, and I was. Uh, I was out of uh, toast. Let's just say that. It was not good. <laughs> you have a way with words, Willie. You have a way with words. Oh, well, gee, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Self-deprecation is uh, one of my specialties. Let's bring it around full circle. I, I know just from our earlier conversation that you're not, you know, as involved week to week, not at the racetrack all the time like we were years ago, but I know that you've still got your, your finger on the pulse here and, and, and a lot of uh, friends in the sport. And I, I just know that you, you follow it probably as closely as anybody. I mean, to, to say that we're in a, a unique time is obviously an understatement, 
I'm, I'm always interested um, just when I talk with racers from anywhere, from across the country, across the continent even, uh, to hear your perspective on what impact has the pandemic had on racing in your area, whether that's at the local level, level the, the regional level, big dollar bracket races, the NHRA scene, like what's the feel and atmosphere where you're at in Kansas? Well, I mean, it's, it's weird, you know, it, it is weird. And it's, I'll, I'll go for my own personal reference. You know, I, I will say I've never been in a situation in my life where I have gone so far from in polarity from one side to the other on, on a topic like this, you know, I'm not a very, not a very religious guy. I'm not a very political guy. I don't, you know, I, I'm, I ride the middle pretty hard and I have gone from this is all a hoax to I'm never leaving my house again about 12 times, you know? And so that, that's, that's been a little bit of a, of a tax on me. I'm not going to lie on that, but, uh, it definitely, it, it figures into your approach. You know, I go into Mocan Dragway even I'm thinking, you think about it, you know, man, I don't want to be scared and live in a hole the rest of my life. But at the same time, I'm going to go to a place that a couple hundred people that I love and trust have come to, but they've come to come to that one place from a number of different places. So you just opened up your freaking window of your circle of, of influence so much, so far that, you know, it, it, it figures into my head, you know? And then when you talk about the way it's affected racing um, it, and what affected the tracks, I'm lucky, you know, the lucky to have Mocan Dragway. If anyone's ever been there, You'd understand the experience. Uh, Carl Blanton is, in my opinion, one of the best track uh, owners, managers that I've ever dealt with. Just one of those places that you know, you may not agree with the rules, but you know the rules. And there's never a question on how the rules are, are in place. And so it's one of those, and you feel like it's run as fairly and as properly as any place in the world. And it's just a little home track hole in the wall, but it's the best home track hole in the wall that I can find. So, um, they seem like they're, I, I know it's affected him, you know, uh, because of he's missed a lot of his, his big events that pay for all the BS bracket racing stuff that we do. You know, we're not the ones paying the bills a lot. Most of the time, it's usually the fan friendly events they have that are doing that, especially for the small tracks. And, uh, I also see the track that I, that I was born and raised on, which is a little track called Midwest raceway in Manhattan, Kansas, uh, it's never been a monster track. You know, they, they race once, twice a month and it's way hole in the wall track. And you're just, you know, just happy your junk gets to the end. You go have a good time. The dew rolls in about freaking midnight, which is about second round at Midwest raceway. And you just battle through till the sun comes up and you have, and you, you, you gripe about it the, the day after, but you always loved it, you know? And so, and that track, I just got pictures of, uh, like Troy Ross or, or Nick Siebert, a couple of my friends that, that, that are in that area, uh, sent me the pictures and they went out there and, you know, grass growing up through the cracks and, you know, it just, it just breaks your heart. You know I mean? They weren't, they weren't out there to make a bunch of money. 
they were just there was a Errol Camp Schroeder, his wife Nancy ran it for years. Errol passed away a few years ago. And I mean they'd drive from Lecompton, Kansas to Manhattan to run this track a couple times a year or a couple times a month. And it was you know, they're driving two hours to come to run this track. It's all run by their family and friends, you know, and they're just they're just doing it for the love of it really. And this this is gonna be the end of that track, you know, unless somebody purchases it or does something with it, which would be great, but you know, it takes so much to get it back up again. You know, it's going to be a pretty significant shot at that hometown, small town, the little podunk right down the street track. And it's, and then you have to think about that. You know, my, my dad, I got my dad into racing uh, and he still lives in Manhattan and he has this little small tire second gen S10 blazer. We call it little piggy because it looks like a pig. It's just round and white and, and looks like it's going to fall over if it gets in a, in a hard wind, but it's probably the most consistent car I've ever driven, but he doesn't even, he doesn't drag race all the time. He doesn't even care about drag racing. He only started drag racing because I was doing it. So it kind of worked reverse, but he's not going to race anymore because that car was stored two miles from the track. And that's about as far as that car is going to go, you know? So <laughs> right. there's a lot that you, you think about how much, how many cars, for the, you, these little tracks and the little hometown people that go to those little tracks, how many cars are just never going to leave the garage again because mm -hmm. they're not going to travel to a big race a hundred miles away. So I, I, I don't know if that's, if that answered or if I actually got to the end of the question there, but yeah, I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the effect that's going to have on, on the, on the hometown tracks, which are the ones that I really care about. You know, these big mega tracks, they're making money. And but the ones that don't even care about making money, just about having that place close to you that you can go and not eat a whole weekend. You can just sneak down there and come right back. Those are becoming fewer and fewer uh, between. So I've, I've seen I've I've lived through a lot of tracks getting killed in our area. So uh, Kansas City International Raceway was one that went away because of political things with the Kansas City area, and. That was actually where the what like second national event was ever held, something like that. But it became a park, and you're gonna and that's gonna become more and more common because of the lack of income from the limitations in regards to the COVID. So that's yeah, that's no, my I mean, sad sad story of, of of how I feel about it. But I, I hope that that uh, let's 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 try to be positive luke how's this i hope that i see at least i've seen this in business with my business and and what what i've seen is that either you die or you get stronger with these situations and it causes you to become a much more efficient and much more ingenuitive and uh in your approach you're not just fat and happy on sitting on the high on the hog so maybe that will that will come back around and we'll see a, a newer better bracket racing because of it but i that's that's all i can hope for at least yeah as it as it pertains and i realize that that for most tracks bracket racing is a is a relatively small part of the business model as you said but as it pertains to our world and, and bracket racing i do think that in some ways, the, the tracks, the facilities that are able to weather this storm 
will benefit from it because as you said there will be a percentage of racers that when their home track closes down that race car never sees a racetrack again and that's that's a terrible loss for our sport but there will be more racers looking for some place to go you know so ultimately you'll True. spread that out and the tracks that do survive should in theory be a little bit stronger for it but to your point um i feel like while it's not i don't think it's being talked about as much what you just mentioned you know specific to manhattan is more widespread than a lot of people realize from you know tracks like hopefully in, in both of these instances it's it's not forever but from tracks like norwalk and and chicago you know not, shutting down for 2020 and uh and our home track like we're in a a similar situation hopefully um not quite as as long-term tragic like i-57 drag strip uh, our home track that you love almost as much as i do i think i do i do is yet to uh to open the doors uh in 2020 and similar to what you talked about with manhattan like if you take a, a trip out to the racetrack it's uh out here it, it's pretty depressing there's just grass growing up through the pavement it's uh it's a it's a bad scene and i think there is optimism there's light in the, at the end of the tunnel here uh when that will be is is pretty unclear um, but i i do think that that facility will be back up and running hopefully sooner than later but there will be to your point facilities that just in business models that don't recover from this and um it's a it's a it's a difficult thing to to swallow and deal with for those of us that I don't think I've ever been to a racetrack that I didn't like. Um, but particularly when it's, when it's home, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, yeah, no, I 57 is a great example. It's like, it's like the, uh, it's like the, the Midwest raceway at the Midwest raceway won the lottery. That's kind of what I think of I 57 dragway, you know? So it's, <laughs> it's think, still small town, but, it, but it's got thing, a really yeah. pretty necklace, you know, it's, it's got that, it's got that big old necklace though, you know? So it's, <laughs> it's, it's got, it, it's, it's really such a, it's such a nice track, you know? And uh, so, yeah, yeah, it, it was, it uh, was, that's exactly the, exactly the way I see it, but it, I don't, I mean, I don't be honest with you. I don't know. I, it can't be that drag owning a drag strip cannot be that freaking lucrative unless it's some kind of monster facility that can be multifaceted. I don't know the business model, but at the same time, I think most of the people are out there doing it for the love of the sport. You know, there are a whole lot of small tracks out there that don't have people running it who don't love cars or love drag racing. So, so I hope that that, I hope that continues and, and it comes back around, but we've been through, you know, 2008, I was, I was thinking about I was going up to the U.S. Open. Uh, I went up to the U.S. Open in India, I think. In two, I think it was 2008, 2007, 2008, when it was like $4 a gallon, and I'm driving my big block Chevy truck uh, that was getting six miles a gallon up there. It was a really, really lucrative business decision for me that trip, too. So, um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, hey, it was, it was tough times. People were struggling and this and that, and but – then the recovery and you see the and you see how the recovery goes and you think a couple of years ago holy crud you know and you think even now look at look at the the way that the sport has recovered uh monetarily i know that there's a lot of discussion about the big money bracket racing versus uh the the small towns and is the is the is this mega bit mega bracket racing killing the small towns but if, if if one thing, I guess the thing that I thought about the most in the last couple of weeks was, you're telling me that 700 people went 
to Michigan, and 500 people went to Bristol, and however many people went to California, but I mean, I, I can't imagine, I didn't know there were that many people that wanted a big money bracket race in the world, you know? You can yeah, and you stack those two the WFC and and uh, and the SFG event on top of each other. Holy crud! I mean, bracket racing is not bad. That's for damn sure. So no, it's and uh, the, and it's the pretty amazing. Um, disco. Yeah, I had mean, a, literally. Had a race oh yeah, at, disco. Uh, kill car. Yeah, it was three hundred plus cars. You know, I mean, there's there is a lot of bracket racing to go around. It seems like. Yep. And I didn't go to any of them. So see, you're they were one car down. So I mean, there's, there's one guy. Yep. See, well, damn. There's yeah, and, and you're you're probably bringing the bringing the wife. So see, you know, they're they're really shorthanded. So they they need to do a little better marketing. So obviously, they just they just don't have it figured out, Luke. I don't know. Yeah, what to tell no. them, you know. Get get Kyle Riley on the horn. Be like, hey yeah. Kyle, we got to shake yep. this up. Seven hundred plus. Yeah. You got You got to do better. Yeah. Kyle, Tell you, Kyle and Jed need to step it up. They are struggling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to. I want to circle back because we. You kind of moved on today, and I didn't want to dismiss it. I love. Uh, I kind of move on, by the way, in case you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> I love I do. that you said what you said on to the 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 personal standpoint of of going racing in, in the pandemic because that. I don't, I can't speak for anyone listening to that, to this, but that resonates with me. The, the vacillation back and forth from seemingly one extreme to the other, almost like I've had it day to day and just the feeling that, and I'm not, I'm not passing judgment here at all. I'm right out there with you. You know, those of you that are going racing, there's a part of me when I get to the racetrack that asks myself, like, is this really something that we should be doing? And that, and and I don't know the answer to that. You know, I mean, depending on what you want to believe or what you want to read, you can validate just about any conviction that you have one way or another. Um, yeah. Well, welcome to the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I, I, that resonates with me. Just the idea that, okay, I don't, it's just a, it's an odd feeling. I, it's uh it's it's easy to say that it's you know something that is foreign to us that is unprecedented you use all the buzzwords that everybody knows but it is it's it's very different oh yeah it's something that's never ever happened ever i mean that's one thing i guess people have to think about whether you're you know blue state red state or whether you think it's a bunch of hub love or it's the end of the world i mean that that's the only thing i take into effect is that i mean it's never ever happened you know nothing like this has ever happened. And no, I don't, I, I know of a couple people that have, that have come down with it. I think that's probably the biggest thing too, is that those people are like, well, I don't know anybody who has COVID. Well, I don't know anybody who has COVID. Yeah, I got you. But a lot, it seems to be a lot of people do, or it is the, I mean, what I, I okay, this is, oh man, see, here I go getting off track again. But I will say that April 1st, it did cross my mind. I'm like, man, Trump, this would be the funniest thing ever in the world, you know, that if you just come out and be like, ha, you know, April Fool's suckers, get back to work, you know, but no, uh, it was not, it was not the case. So <laughs> did that go across anybody else's mind out there? I mean, I don't know. I was just like, man, this would be super funny. Like 30 years from now, it would be super funny. Right now, we'd kill <laughs> not everyone. Not so much in the moment, maybe, but later. No, 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 it would, <laughs> there would, yeah, there would, yeah. But, 
so yeah, my, my, my humor, you know, my, yeah, my structure of humor can be a little bit inappropriate at times. So, you know, trust me, you're going I, to I look may, back I, on this and laugh. Trust yeah, me. <laughs> I, I, I may have, I may have giggled a little bit while I was crying. So it was fine, you know, so haven't found my spot on that deal, but, uh, it's, it's just one of it, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very unique situation. Everybody is addressing it the same way. I'll give you a reference point here. Just that the Kansas side of things is that I think it's becoming more and more now, but the can I work in Kansas city. I live in, I live just South of Kansas city area. So I, I work an automotive industry. So the, I don't know if there is an industry that you could be more in contact with human beings, you know, I mean, other than, you know, prostitution. I, I, I mean, think about getting in somebody's car, you know, in and out of somebody's car every day and dealing with that, you know, I mean, you're really in their personal space. So, um, so I have that thought process every day when I work and I have to wear a face mask because it's Kansas law that you, you know, if you're in public, you have to have a mask on. I'm also the first, so I, I I do it and I wash my hands and I try and be really careful. And when I get home, first thing I do is take a shower, you know, and, but at the same time, I'm the first person to rip that mask off when I, when I'm not at the front counter with a customer or something like that. So I'm like, man, you can't just be like halfway this way and halfway that way. You know, you've got to choose a side, buddy, choose a side. I don't know. That's, that's kind of, that that's probably where I'm fighting right now is, is, is the, just the pull back and forth. That's just taxing. I'm ready. I'm re- I'm ready for it to be over, and then so I, th- I think that's why everybody's rushing out to race, is because it is a let's forget about all the crap and let's go do something that we did last year that we you know and, and make it feel like it was 2019 again. Like you've said a couple times, is you know when you go to the racetrack, it feels like all of it's gone and it's back to normal. You know, and man, that's that's a huge deal for everybody. I just. I just don't know if I'm ready for it or not yet. So I'm, I'm working my way there, but anybody who is totally cool. I understand. I'm not going to call you out for bringing down the world, live your freaking life, you know, but well, that's what's crazy make sure you make sure you respect everybody else living theirs. You know, that's all. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's what's crazy about it is you can look back and I, I like the way that you kind of take a helicopter view and, and look at your own decisions. It's like, I'm kind of self-contradictory here in a lot of ways, but I think you can, we can pick apart anyone and say, well, if you're going to, um, whatever the case may be, like you, you say this is all a hoax, but you don't want to send your kids to school. Like that's contradictory, right? You, you can pick apart all of that, but if you really examine yourself, like I think that we all to some extent, or most of us at least have, very mixed emotions about this and and you could say oh well the way that i approach this is kind of contradictory too like i don't think that's abnormal i yeah i i don't what is normal <laughs> i mean point. you know that's where i'm at so whatever you know it's whatever i i, I i'm, I'm nor, normal sounds freaking awesome so i'm i'm excited <laughs> for whenever whenever normal occurs again let me know. Okay. I'm there. <laughs> I, used to, I used to have a saying that, that normal was overrated, but I, I'm going to have to rethink that. Like I have to rethink a lot yep. of things here in 2020. So. Yep. Yep. That's a yeah, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to being old. Huh? Yeah. That, that sounds, that sounds <laughs> like a, I'm getting old statement right there. But th- we are, this is normal. like the, 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 this is the old podcast. By the end of the show, we're going to be yelling oh at people to get God. off our we lawn. Have, <laughs> let's just, yeah. Let's just say 
<laughs> oh man, I, I, yeah, I can only think of who's already hung up on us, but that's okay. So you know, <laughs> let me but, let, uh, let me let me drive this back to okay, the overwhelming turnout that, that you mentioned. You know, if you just take one weekend as an example, the, the SFG one point one, the World Footbreak Challenge at Bristol, a handful of other big events that were all record breaking in terms of turnout is what we're seeing in your opinion a result of this kind of perfect storm in terms of uh, all of us have been cooped up at home uh, perhaps there's stimulus money burning a hole in your pocket you haven't really spent much money the last three months just ready to go out and do it and it's this one-time surge or is this more indicative of where bracket racing particularly at the big dollar level is is headed like can the demand stay this strong that that's a great question i mean i can't imagine the demand could stay that strong so what was what was the what was what was the uh one entry weekend take for somebody walking in the door at the sfg event what would it take to run every race they got including buybacks yeah, I think it depends on when you entered, but yeah, I think one entry every race with buybacks, I think you'd spend thirty, thirty five hundred minimum. Okay. I they can't do that every weekend. I, I can't do that every weekend. <laughs> you wouldn't so, think so I'll tell you that for damn sure. No, huh? Damn sure that's not what, in the car I got. No, and like, that's I just burned in the backyard and, and call it a night, you know. So but uh you know it, it it's uh it, it yeah that you know those type of those the 1.1 million dollar payout that's one of those things i always think about with bracket racing you know what what other sports is solely supported by the monetary intake and and payout is totally totally supported by the people participating right the competitors yeah it's really I mean, unique in that way yeah 100 percent you know, I, I can assure you the 30 guys sitting in the corner over there betting on drag racing did not pay for that purse, you know, and everybody else sitting in the stands just got their ass handed to them on third round. So, uh, you know, the only way they're making money or the only way that, that those big purses come about is because somebody's paying 3500 bucks. Some idiot like me is driving up there for the experience. Say, oh, I went this if you want for one. Yeah, I was there. And you know didn't turn oh i didn't ever mention that when i went down to moroso i did not turn on a wind light and they did not have a duck race so i just wanted to get that out real quick that was a person the, the one thing that broke my heart about moroso that weekend because they had so much stuff going on was that they did not have the duck race and i qualified but sorry well, I look at the bright side you you weren't in the duck race at moroso oh that's the bright side i was like man i gotta make one more pass down moroso i'm in you know so <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. uh, let's just uh, say I was I was looking for I was looking for the bright side of the of the coin that at that time in the in the event. So that you know five L five L's and a hangover will get you there. So <laughs> I think as much as I mean we can sit here and and uh, gas bag and and speculate on you know this the the future of the demand and big dollar bracket racing. It, it certainly seems stronger than ever. But I, I tend to agree with you that it. I don't think it can maintain this clip, but I think at the same time, we'll have our answer sooner than later, really uh, just in the, oh, very from, much so. from September 15th to the end of October. I think it's a five week span right now. 
scheduled events, the SFG 500 in Georgia, the, the million dollar race in Memphis, or the, the whatever they're calling it, the, the Memphis Million, and then the original million in Montgomery in a five-week span. And keep in mind, presumably, somewhere in that general neighborhood on the calendar is the, the Spring Fling Million is going to be made up and fall somewhere. We're, we're anxiously awaiting that date. So you have three at minimum, potentially four mega races. I mean, we're talking three, four hundred thousand dollars to win minimum in a five, six week span. That's when we'll, that's when we'll have our answer, right? If, if there's ever, if right. the money's going to run out and it's, something's not going to be supported, it's going to happen then, right? On top of, you know, multiple division races every weekend going through and everything else is going on. It's just such a compact situation. Life has been compacted like that, you know? And yeah. so it'll be very interesting to see what, uh, what comes of it, you know, and it, it, that's my biggest, cause you know, I don't, I don't want to see anybody fail. So if, if that, but if they, if they can keep four or 500 cars, you know, you don't, you don't need 700 cars to make a, to make the budget. I'm sure that, I'm sure that the cut line was, was well below that. So I'm sure that the guys came out, came out okay on that race. Um, so the, uh, but at the same time, if you, if you can keep four or 500 cars going through these races, then maybe you will see the continuation, but I don't think you're going to see, I don't think you're going to see this many hundred thousand plus dollar races next year. You know, I think that it will weed out the good ones and the bad ones, you know, SFG, they sound like they did a great job and they changed, they fixed some of their problems. It sounds like, and from all the, all the reports I've heard at least, uh, which is you, by the way, this only report I've heard is listening to the podcast. So I'm just going off everything you've said, but yeah, and you weren't even there, but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but in general, that's good. That's a good enough sign for me uh, that's, that people, a lot of people came and not a lot of people griped about it. So uh, that's awesome. And so maybe they've, everybody's, let's go back to the old adage of everybody's going to get cleaner and better and tighter and, and present a better product for the racer. And that's why everybody's coming out. And they're going to have to do that this year to keep that interest up. So it can't, it can't hurt anything. It really can't. I mean, I, I don't think it hurt it. Other than, other than the, the suckers like me, their pocketbook may be affected slightly. But uh, in general, I think the sport's not going to be damaged by this, this year's racing by any means. I think, it'll, I, I think it's going to be a positive in the long run. And I think that whatever comes out of whatever 2021 20, brings us, I think there'll be a, some lessons learned from this year and they're going to make it better for everybody. So that's me going glass half full. So. No, I, I hope you're right on that. And I, and I tend to think you're right. Big picture. I don't know that this stretch necessarily does any harm for the sport. My concern, I think goes back to what you had said originally and that I just, I don't want to see anyone fail. And I don't like the, the promoters that I had just mentioned, they're strong, man. Like they, they all do a good job in, in their own unique ways. Mm -hmm. But you pile on that many races in that short a period of time, somebody has to come out on the short end of the stick, I think. Like that's, I, I, I don't know, that would be my fear is that somebody just gets stuck on one of these big guarantee races. But to this point, 
like there's not been any evidence that that's coming. I just wonder when you stack them all into that short a period on the calendar, I, I have my doubts, but time will tell. I mean, yeah, somebody's, you know, I'm just thinking mindset wise, am I going to go to this event or am I going to go to the, uh, the spring fling or the summer fling or whatever fling it is, you know, the bristle fling or the, or the Las Vegas fling. Um, the race that has been raced multiple times, highly touted, you know, uh, everybody says it's a, it's a go-to have to bucket list race. And that's going to be the one, maybe I'm going to save my money for that. You know, I can't go to all of them. I'm going to go to this one. And that may, that may have some effect on some of these, some of the the newcomers to the, to the, this big money sector. Um, but like I said, if you either it, you know, the water's warm, jump in, you know, big fish got to swim. So uh, <laughs> whoever comes out there. on top is great. So there are an, an elite few, but they are an elite few that can sit down and look at the calendar and say, I'm going to these three or four races, no matter what. And that could weather not winning a dime at the first two or three and still make the last one. Right. But I think those are few yep. are between. Uh, so, yeah, I think there'll be a lot more picking and choosing. And I think ultimately the question is, and what we're going to find out, is are there, in fact, enough racers to spread around to truly have everyone kind of pick and choose? There's a thousand, there was a thousand entries last weekend. So throughout these four races we talked about so that's pretty strong you know we'll it's see true. what kind of uh, what kind of legs what kind of legs these boys got on them because that's a you know there's gonna be some longevity there so heck there may be some old fat kids laying around that uh, didn't go racing for the last two and a half years that might want to give it a shot too so present the company the, present company excluded you know so the uh the, the nhra tour specifically the 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 big tour, you know, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the, the Mellow Yellow series here on the show, but I think just given the, the turn that our conversation has taken, um, it's interesting to look at this from that perspective as well, because whereas the, the big dollar bracket model and, and really the, the local bracket model is, as you said, the business model is completely funded by the participants. The NHRA model, model is, is not, right? It is, it is absolutely It's complete opposite. Correct. So they obviously face a, a different set of challenges and a different set of hurdles. Now, as you know, as we record this, uh, NHRA is in the middle of their, their two-week kind of made-for-TV-ish event in Vegas. So the pros are back, or in Vegas, in Indianapolis. Um, so the yep. pros are back. It was a, it was a limited spectator experience last week that depending on like the report that you read I know that was by design to some extent but I don't know if NHRA was ecstatic with the turnout if it was right on par with what they expected if the if it was a disappointment I don't really know because it wasn't particularly clear I know that they only sold tickets to, to members the reports I saw were like 2,000 to 2,500 people in attendance, which is obviously minuscule in, compared, in comparison to a, a typical national event, but maybe exactly what they were hoping for. It seemed to go well from the outside. Obviously, I wasn't there. Um, it's just, uh, I feel like it's safe to say that going forward, and you, I don't know if you followed along with the, uh, the trial at Vandermeer, as a quick follow-up on that, it is my understanding. Right 
that that is still very much pending. It sounds uh, it, like uh, it will end up going to the Colorado Supreme Court, but until it gets there, again, my understanding is the racetrack has been told to resume normal operations. Now, does that extend mm. through the national event next month or not? I don't know, but I feel like NHRA is going to hit potential hurdles there at a lot of their potential venues. Um, just curious to hear your take on, you know, kind of the big picture. Geez, you're really digging deep today, Luke. Jeez. I love Get your out of my wheelhouse. You've got a unique you know? way of, of looking God. at it. I'm glad you do. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, NHRA, I've had my battles with NHRA here and there, but, uh, and I, NHRA, I don't, I think they, to be honest with you, we're talking about uh, who's, you know, the, the, who's going to tighten up the ship and things like that. I think it's probably good for NHRA to get off their high on the hog approach and maybe realize that there are, there is more to racing than just the pros and that their business model isn't some bulletproof, uh, you know, structure that's all encompassing and, and doesn't matter what anybody else thinks we're going to do, we're going to do, and you guys can just screw off. You know, that, that's kind of the feeling I get from the HR. And that's come from an outside perspective. Uh, since I haven't raced in the HR for probably six years, seven years, but for good reason. Uh, but just seeing the way that, that they run things, it's uh, may, maybe, I mean, it's going to be a huge shock to them, you know? It's a, you can't put all your eggs in one basket, you know? You can't have your, you can't have your complete structure of your, of your business model being on fan participation, especially in these times, you know? You got to either uh, evolve or figure it out. So I hope that maybe they're going to become a little better and smarter and appreciative of their members and, and their participants maybe on the divisional level and this and that. Uh, you know, on the other side, like Vandermeer, I don't know. That's, it, it, as far as my experience, that track is about as well run as any track ever, you know? Mm-hmm. I've been to Vandermeer twice in my life. And I still get the Bandamere mailer every every spring with their schedule. And that thing is packed full of God knows what, diesel, freaking import, rotary, whatever, you know, diesel rotary imports. I don't even know. They do all kinds of stuff over there, you know. And mm-hmm. it's impressive to see how and and not only that, just the ingenuity of of uh of them, I mean, they, they, didn't they invent the freaking uh, tire dragger there? I mean, it, and it's mm-hmm. it's a drag strip on a freaking mountain. Let's put a drag strip in a place where the least amount of horsepower could possibly be made and make it successful. That's pretty amazing. So, um, I hope you know. I hope that I. I, I mean, I, I hope that they set a precedent of uh, a, 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 in in this situation where you know to prove i don't know how to say it exactly but the this covid-19 situation in general in life i think that there's been there's no rules there's no real structure on what is and isn't a law or what is and isn't a rule 
it's kind of a you do this, but the governor says this, but the county says this, but the state, the city says this, you know, there's nobody's, it's just kind of, you guys all figure it out. And so Vandermeer's goes, all right, we're going to figure it out. You know, you say people can't, uh, there's not a hundred and you can, you can only have 150 people uh, grouped together at one time. We don't. It's a huge place. There's 2,000 people here, and there's never 150 people all together within a six foot distance of each other. So, makes sense, you know. I mean, you got you got to work the system, right? And so, I hope that it brings to that brings that to the forefront that uh, either you're gonna either make rules and stick to them, or quit ruling on things that that are that have just huge gray areas. That's and boy, that is speaking from no freaking knowledge on this whatsoever. I just went straight general life comment there. So I probably just dug myself a hole. Thank God I'm not on Facebook much anymore because I, I can only imagine what they're saying about me. So, <laughs> okay, go, go. It's, Luke, it's your turn. This is where you talk and you fix it. I agree with a lot of what you said in it. In it. There's times where it, it seems vague, but I just, it's, one of, it's interesting because I feel like when we look back in life, most of us, myself included, I've always been drawn to people that speak with conviction. You're like, oh yeah, that, 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 that dude or, or, or woman knows exactly who they are and where they're going and like, yeah, I'm in. I don't know if it's just me, but in this age specifically, the more that you speak, like, you know, exactly what's going on, the more I give you the side eye, like, dude, how the hell do you know? You know, you know what I mean? Like, it makes me trust you less. So I, right. I, I, I the bouncing around res resonates with me. I'm fascinated from NHRA's standpoint as to kind of how they approach or how they market this going forward. Because the question is, I, getting fans back to the racetrack. Is it more of a concern that fans are not ready to come back to the racetrack, are not ready to, to surround themselves by thousands of other people that they don't know, right? Or right. I, I really feel like it was necessary. It was socially conscious, following the lead of, of NASCAR. And I felt like they were very, very deliberate about this message last week that every bit of footage that we saw from Indy, whether that was on Fox, whether that was on social media, everyone that was on camera or on film was masked, right? And that was very, very deliberate in, everyone had a face covering. That was very deliberate in the rules and obviously uh, spread and enforced across the racetrack. And again, I feel like that is the, the socially conscious thing to do. But now the question becomes because on the lower levels of the sport, that is not what I've seen at all. Like I have not been anywhere where outside of a handful of people, anyone was, was, was masked at the racetrack. And, and I know that masks aren't necessarily the, the end all be all for where we're at on this. I just think it's a, it's an interesting microcosm for the entire debate. Right? So the question now, as you approach your fans, are you more concerned that you're going to lose fans because they're leery of going, of being surrounded by people? Or are you more concerned that you're going to lose fans because they want to go, but they are not going to don a, a face covering to do so, particularly in 90 plus degree heat? 
it's it's an interesting dynamic. Both, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that that's a double that's a double edged sword, you know. So, yes. I'll, I'll I'll be the first to tell you if I'm, maybe I don't if I'm gonna go drag racing, I don't want to wear a freaking mask, you know. It's kind of like a, a, my my dad's not uh, he's got some like you know heart respiratory issues that he's doing fine, but at the same time, I'm concerned for him if I'm if I go and visit him, right? But at the same time. I don't want to wear a mask when I see him because I want to hug him and I want to I want to see it you know I want him to see my mouth and 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 be able to speak with him you know and so maybe I'm reluctant to see him at all until I can see him the way I want to see him um and so if I went drag racing man I don't know if I'd wear a mask or not that's where I'm at right now I'm like do I want to go drag racing wear a mask or do I just want to go drag racing because I have to wear a mask and it I'm not I'm not going to be the guy that's going to be like you know, if they don't, if they don't, if they're going to make me wear a mask, then I'm not going. Ah, if, if that's if that's really the law, the really the, if it, I, I don't go into any store, and it's it, it's regulated here, right? The, the you know you have to you can't go to the grocery store, you can't go in any building that's that's a public building without a face mask on. And there are gazillions of people that that walk into our stores every day that way. And I'm just not going to fight the system. I'm just one of those guys like, man, if that's the rules, I want to make sure everybody's comfortable. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable by not wearing a mask because I don't really care. So, yeah, my lack of give a crap just moves me through that part. But so it's not going to limit me. But at the same time, it's for in general, you're just taking out two completely different sectors of people on two completely different sides of this argument. And both of them, feel outed. So that's, that's tough. It is, uh, you it can't, is. you know, yeah. Yeah. You, you took, you took the crazy, the crazies that, that won't wear a mask no matter what. And you took the people that don't feel comfortable going outside mask or not. And neither of them feel good about going to an HR event or any sporting event per se with those type of regulations. So it's uh it's uh, it's going to be an odd it's it, it's going to be a a tough time for them you know and yeah no and i i guess ultimately the question is how big a percentage of your audience are, are either of those uh you know facets and i don't have the answer to that i guess time will tell i do related somewhat related i have a phenomenal business idea we should go in together i'm in ready for this already i'm all, you already got me you you had me okay. at hello so I want nice, professionally <laughs> screen-printed T-shirts with a full-color, smiling image of your face so that when you approach someone with a face covering, they can recognize you and know that's who I'm talking to. Yes? I like it. Yeah. So <gasps> that, get it. I mean, I, I've seen them, but that, I, I heard somebody was doing it where they're putting your face on your mask, but that gets a little creepy, yeah, you know? That's a so, little, yeah, that, that's jarring to me. Yeah, yeah that, that's like uh, yeah. my, my seven-year-old could come running into my bedroom talking about that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what I need. Right. Yeah. And what, so, what, I was just thinking about this, too. What was your, what was your saying about uh, your, your previous view of uh, normalcy? What did you say earlier about the about that being right. normal right yeah. so on the back of the shirt we'll say normal is underrated 
And we're going <laughs> to, we're going to bring that out. That's the new hotness right now. Normal is underrated. Hashtag normal is underrated. And then we'll have our face, your personal face printed on the front of the shirt. So what do you think? We're going to make millions. All right. I love uh, it. Let's end on a lighter note. I hope, I hope you saw this because this was in, in the list of odd things, you know, that, that happened in the world. This is pretty low in the list of odd things that, that happened with NHRA at Indy last week. This is probably pretty low. Did you see Tony Schumacher's marriage proposal? Oh God, no, no, I didn't. Oh, oh, gosh. oh okay. I wish I did. Oh so, man. And I, I'm not the biggest Tony Schumacher fan, so I'm, I'm, I would love to have seen this. <laughs> see, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not either, but I, I don't think that that makes us unique. Like, I, I think for our, okay. for our crowd, I think Tony's just, I don't know if he's a good guy, bad guy. Like, I, I, I don't know Tony Schumacher. He's a, right? he's a douchebag to everybody? I got it. I got it. Okay. Well, okay. that's the way that he comes across to us. Like, I think it's difficult for us to, yeah. to resonate with the guy. Like, he's, he's the son of a billionaire. Right. He had the, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you just have this perception that things came easily. I'd have no idea if that's true or not. He, he ran the, you know, on, with the army backing for years, but he was never in the army. Like that just seems like it's just a, yeah. it's difficult to, you know, find common ground with him. And I feel like that's the way yeah. I've always felt. That's way a lot of, a lot of people feel. Well, this, okay. I wish you'd seen this just so that we could, we could talk about it. Oh, it was damn it. So wheel you should have, you should have, you should have prepped me, damn it. You I should have, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I failed you. <laughs> so, but the, the, the whole thing, it was the most awkward setting in the world that, that literally, I can't believe that I think it's more on the PR managers at, at Schumacher for letting this out into the world. Like you, at some point oh. as the decision maker, you have to see we're, this we're, and be like, okay, this was failed. Like this was awkward. We're just not going to show this to everyone. <laughs> Because honestly, I'm convinced. I watched it three times, it, which t- it, says something about me, right? Oh man, that, yeah, that does judge you. you, you that, that's, that's some Kardashian type stuff going on there. Um, yeah, dude, 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 dude uh, proposed to his fiance in the, in the staging lanes at Indy, right? Which is whatever. But I'm telling okay, can you, I stop, can thing, I stop you real quick? Were, were, they, were they both wearing face masks? Yes. Every, okay, every inch I'm of sorry. footage I'm that sorry. came out of there was, was masked. So that adds to, the, to the, the oddity, you know, the awkwardness of it. But I'm telling you, after having watched it two, three times, I'm convinced of that, that this is one of two things. And for Tony Schumacher's case, I, I hope it is the first of the two, right? It's either this was not the actual proposal. Like this was actually done a week ago. And this is like some little made for TV skit, you know, that just... It felt even sure. weirder than it in, in, in execution yeah. than it did in planning, right? Or B, we have to we have to hope, yes. Yeah, or, or B that his you know fiance wife to be is is not into it and couldn't say no on camera. It's one of the two. <laughs> for for Schumacher's case, I hope it is the the former and not the latter. But I'm after watching it, I'm convinced it's one of the two. Oh my lord, it. do I need yeah. to watch this? Yes, this Check is this has got to be good stuff. So that, it's a, it sounds horribly painful. It's for me. It, it reminds so me of the. Oh man. Oh, it, that's 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 good. That I and, I, and hey, if if I'm gonna enjoy somebody else's pain, then Tony Schumacher's is one that I will enjoy. So. <laughs> God, I, I, I don't want to ruin anyone's. Yeah. God, I I hate to hate somebody I don't even know, but you know, some people are just I just don't like them for no I, reason. I Can I like somebody for no reason? I mean, that's, that sounds horrible. I'm sorry. 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I hate to be judgmental and we try to steer away from that yeah. on the podcast, but yeah. yeah. Um, I know. Yeah. It's, it's, him, him and Greg Anderson, you know, uh, those guys. So, all right. So man, I hope, I hope neither of those guys are listening. Not, not like they're going to care what the hell I have to say about them. I can assure you that. So. Tony, Greg, but, come on the pod. Come on the pod. Yeah. And that, and, that, and again, and again, that's never stopped me from saying anything anyway. So <laughs> no, sh- no shocker to anyone that knows me. Everybody, yeah, everybody who knows why, who, who's met me before is like, we're good. Keep moving on. So that's what I love about you. Like, I, I know that what you see is what you get. There's no punchy stunts. So that's why you're here. That's why you're a two time guest. I, uh, hey, there we go. That's right, folks. Don't forget, two timer right here. Yep. Yep, right. the 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 the, na- the names just run off your tongue, you know. I'm telling you. So, Willie, thanks again, brother. We got to come back and do this again. This is fun. Hey, I, I always enjoy uh, shooting the wind with you, sir. So I I can't imagine how this could have been uh, enjoyable for anyone else other than the two of us. But I don't really care, so I'm cool with it. We usually end with shouts. So shouts to any of you that got to the end of this. We appreciate you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and and to Tony Schumacher's fiance. Yeah, yeah, and and, and the whole uh, Schumacher family, absolutely. <laughs> Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's B T E here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to B T E products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTE Racing. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal 
in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.